0: First of all, tonight, to the book of Amos, chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. And it looks as though you've been taught right. I commend you for your respect for the reading of the Word of God. Amos, chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. If ever we are living in a day when people are running to and fro and searching this world from the north and even to the east, today is the day. And what they are looking for, we have. But there is a famine in the land for the hearing of the words of the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Very familiar passage that all of you preachers have had charged to you at one time or another. Probably. Second Timothy four one I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables." Heavenly Father, You know the need of this organization. You know the need of our hearts. And You know my need tonight. I pray that You would speak through Your unprofitable servant. Touch me with Your hand. So great is Your power. So magnificent, so weak is my vessel. Wrap your hands around me that my frail vessel can bear your sweet spirit and speak to this conference and to this congregation your precious word and we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory forever. Why don't we thank God right now for His Word? Thank you very much. When I took the church in Calgary 12 years ago, that Ray Surstead had started and invested 10 years of his life to build, walked to the pulpit the first time and found a message that that departing pastor had left me. But The sir stood, had carefully made a poster with large black letters and pasted it to the top of the pulpit. It said, preach the word. preach the word the other day i had a message at the hotel that i had a, uh, some mail to pick up and i went and there was a telegram from my church and the telegram was very short to the point it said preach the word There are so many needs that face us in today's generation. There are needs in our churches. There are needs in our districts. There are needs in this organization. But I believe with all of my heart that the answer to these needs lie in the very beauty of the simplicity of the Gospel if we will just preach the Word. If we will preach the Word of God, God will do things for us that we cannot do by ourselves. If we will preach the Word of God, God will give us the victories that we cannot fight alone if we will simply preach the Word. We need to preach that there is but one God, and His name is Jesus. We do not need to be beat into a corner or into a defensive position on the doctrine that we love and believe, but we need to preach it. There is only one God, and since there is only one God, we need to preach there is only one God. We don't need to be embarrassed by any Trinitarian. We don't need to be bashful. We don't need to water it down or try to appeal to the world but preach the Word. There is an organization in Canada that used to be a Jesus name, one God, apostolic organization. In fact, they named themselves the Apostolic Church of Pentecost of Canada. Beautiful name, isn't it? Beautiful name. But when you talk to them and find out what they believe, it takes on a sour note. Those who once believed in Jesus' name baptism... One God, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with other tongues, have compromised their doctrine. They have merged with the Trinitarian organization. When they talk about the oneness of God, they want to compromise it. And say, well, we believe in a triunity. Let's just preach the Word. There is only one God. And as long as we preach it, then we won't have to compromise it. We must preach repentance. God requires repentance. It is something that is lacking in many churches. There needs to be a repentance from the heart. There needs to be a change in the lives of individuals when they live for God they don't go on doing the things that they used to do but there's a difference they don't go where they used to go they don't say what they used to say they don't look like they used to look they don't do what they used to do repentance will change a life but we need to preach repentance It does not come automatically. People will not repent unless you preach to them. They must repent. We've got to preach baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. Period. It is essential, it is absolute. You cannot compromise it. You must preach the essentiality of the Holy Ghost. Speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. These are the things that are involved in the new birth. An individual who does not believe in the absolute essentiality of water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues does not have a right to hold license with the United Pentecostal Church. I understand that these are basics. These are things that should be held dear by all of us. But sometimes I wonder when I hear preachers beating around the bush, and when I hear preachers tiptoeing through the tulips, and they don't want to say, you've got to be born again, it makes me wonder, where do they stand? What do they believe? As far as I can read in my Bible, there are only two destinations of the soul. You're either going to spend eternity in heaven, eternity with God, or you're going to spend eternity separated from God in the lake of fire. The only way the Bible teaches us that we can escape eternal damnation in the lake of fire is to obey the scriptures and repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. We should never neglect to preach that we should never neglect to preach the age old doctrine of Acts two thirty-eight. it still works it still works it still works and I'm not sure that everyone who is supposed to believe it believes it But I believe you believe it. I believe that God can send a revival into this church. Even into this organization. That will strengthen not weaken the foundation that we stand on. Anything that comes along that would tend to weaken the foundation is not revival. It doesn't matter how many people shout. It doesn't matter how big the crowds are. If it weakens truth, it's not revival. It's a fake. It's a sham. It's a fraud. We have to build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. No other foundation, no other foundation, no other foundation can any man lay than what is already laid. Preach the word, preachers! Don't hang down your head and be ashamed of this truth. It's what saved you, it's what will save the cities that we preach in. It's what are gonna save our churches, it'll save our families. I believe there is a hunger for uncompromising truth in this world. In Canada and the United States there is a hunger for uncompromising truth. People are tired of plastic imitations. People are tired of killer evangelists People are tired of fake money-hungry preachers. They want somebody who will stand up and preach the Lord. In our Pentecostal churches, I am firmly convinced that our saints, our old Pentecostal saints, and our new converts, and our young people, have a hunger and a desire for the uncompromising word of God. Preachers, as never before, we must Preach the truth! Preaching convicts. In that first Pentecostal message, the Bible said they were pricked in their heart. If you preach the word, it's going to bring conviction! But if you don't preach against anything that anybody's guilty of, there will be nothing for anybody to be convicted of. A pastor and evangelist is doing a disservice to his crowd and is not earning his tithes or his offerings if he refuses to preach what needs to be preached. If you water it down, and if you make it weak because of who's sitting in the congregation and you're afraid of offending somebody, you're not worth your beans. Preaching the Word of God ought to convict. Oh, God, we need old-fashioned Holy Ghost preaching. We need some crude preachers like John the Baptist that'll get up and stare the world in the eyes and say, unless you repent, unless you repent, unless you repent, you're going to perish. And we need preachers that will preach the same thing in the pulpit and out of the pulpit. I heard of a man recently who got up in his church and declared that all of his leaders were either going to have to give up their televisions or give up their positions. didn't find anything in that to cheer about. How in the world do leaders get into a place of leadership and positions if they have a television in the first place? That's what I don't understand. After the service, he stepped out from behind the pulpit and one of the men said, well, pastor, I guess I'll be giving up my position because I have a television and I don't intend to get rid of it. Pastor said, Well, don't worry about it. We'll work it out. We need men that have preached the word in the pulpit and out of the pulpit. We need preachers who will not be afraid of people's faces, but will preach the word of God and say this is truth. This is the word of the Lord. This is the law of the house. This is the way it's going to be in this church. Regardless of the pocketbooks of some tithe payers. Regardless of the size of the monthly payment of the church. Preaching convicts. If you preach the Word of God, it will convict. Preaching saves. I'm going to tell you something. We can have seminars and symposiums. We can have meetings here and meetings there. But if we don't have preaching of the Word of God, we can meet ourselves to death. We've got to have preaching. Preaching Preaching the Word! The Word! The Word! Preaching says and without it we can't be saved. Romans ten seventeen, Please, Brother Williams. So then faith cometh by hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. The precept that we've got to be saved. You've got to have faith if you're going to be saved. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by... The word of God. Yes. And how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they hear without a singer? No. How shall they hear without... A preacher right just a good old-fashioned plain preacher hallelujah how shall they hear without a preacher this world can be saved without singers yes. this world can be saved without musicians this world can be saved without choirs Thank God for Holy Ghost-filled, inspired musicians and singers and choirs. But we can be saved without them. But we cannot be saved without preachers. Pastor and evangelist, you don't have to be an ex-con, but you better preach the Word. You don't have to be a ventriloquist or know how to make animals out of balloons. But you better preach the word. You don't have to be a great teacher, although we need to be apt to teach. But you need to learn how to preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. I thank God for everything that he has given us to help us in our local churches and to help us as an organization. But nothing will ever be more important than just preach the word. Thus, no one will ever be more important than the preacher. The administrator will never be more important than the preacher. The politician will never be more important than the preacher. Nobody in the church of God can ever take the place of the preacher. And I thank God that we have leaders who are preaching leaders. I thank God we have leaders who preach the word. Preaching saves, it convicts, it perfects. If we don't have preachers who will preach the word, There will be no perfecting. There will be no growth. There will be no putting off of the world and putting on of Christ. All of that comes through preaching. A new convert is born again. When they accept the new birth, they obey it. And they're baptized in water and spirit. But a new convert is not changed overnight. Nor do we expect expect them to be changed overnight. We don't expect ladies to have hair 3 feet long overnight. But the beautiful thing about it is when they have obeyed the word of God and they're born again, if their hair is chopped off to their shoulders, in God's sight they have uncut hair. We should never make our new converts feel bad or less than anyone else. In the preaching, we should include the instruction about the new birth and new converts that they are growing in Christ. But that does not allow us pastors to tolerate somebody in the condition of a new convert for three years. doesn't take very long. I have found when people have a love for truth, it doesn't take very long for them to start acting like Pentecostals and looking like Pentecostals. Hallelujah. And pastors, I don't know about you, but in my prayers for my church, I have not prayed that God would give us rich people. Or well-to-do I have not prayed that God would send us the lawyers and the doctors Jesus had more trouble with them than anybody else but in my prayers I have prayed God give me a people that love your word Oh God, it doesn't matter what color they are, it doesn't matter if they're poor. I don't care what side of town they come from, but let them have a love for Your Word. Let them have a love for Your Word. And if we would be as concerned about the church, the body of Christ, as we are the church, the physical plant and building, If we would begin to build and beautify the body of Christ as much as we work on the physical plant, oh, it would be a beautiful church, a glorious church, and that's what God is coming after. Let's pray for a church that loves His Word. God will take care of your finances. God will take care of you, pastor. God will take care of you, evangelist. But let us pray for a church that loves the Word of God. We should never apologize for preaching truth. We don't have to be apologetic about it. When I read the words of the apostles and prophets, they were not apologetic. They preached like it was truth. They acted like it was the only thing possible to preach. They acted like there was no consideration to preach anything else. They just preached it. Right. Galatians 1.8, listen to what Paul said. But though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. If we are preaching the same gospel that Paul preached, we don't need to apologize. Paul said, though we are an angel from heaven. A while back we were talking about angels. A few of us were sitting around the table. Somebody had mentioned seeing an angel and those of us at the table came to the conclusion we'd never seen one. went around the table and somebody said, I've, I've never seen one. And somebody else said, I've never seen one. And, and uh, Brother Wayne Huntley was there and he said, he said, I've been married to one 17 years. <laughs> but if we saw an angel if an angel stepped behind this pulpit tonight, I wonder how many of them would check out what he said with the Word of God. Or if they'd just take what he said because he was an angel. Paul said, if we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have already preached. We have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. Not brother not put on the platform not exalted but accursed. If he preach any other gospel, anything other than what Paul preached, as long as I'm with Brother Paul, I feel, brethren, like I'm safe. As long as I'm with Brother Paul, I feel like I'm on solid ground. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if I preach anything else than what he preached, I am cursed and then John said in 1 John 5 19 and we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness it's pretty strong isn't it talk about an exclusive gospel we know we are of God And the whole world lieth in wickedness. I'm telling you, it's Acts 2.38 or bust. And we know that Acts 2.38 is of God. We know that the gospel we preach is of God. If we're in the book and on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, it is of God. And the whole world lieth in wickedness. Do we have to apologize? Now that's not Johnny King, that's the other John, (laughs) that's John the Beloved. That's the apostle. That's the revelator. Yes. That's in the word of God. If people are going to be offended at that, we cannot help it. We don't intentionally want to offend them. How many of you like prime rib or T-bone steak? It up as best as I can and to serve it on a silver platter. I may not be so careful with you folks tonight because we're all home folks, we're all family, but I do believe in serving it right, and there is a way to deliver it, but it's truth nonetheless. And some people are going to be offended regardless of how it's served because they don't love the truth, they despise the truth, they're not going to be subject to the truth. The coral mine is not subject under the law of God and it cannot be. So don't attempt to please everybody. Please God and you'll be alright. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word, Second Corinthians 4.3 But if our gospel be hid, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. It is hid to them that are lost. If our gospel be hid, some might say it is hid to them who are walking in all the light they know. Someone who's walking in all the light that they know, that's good. That's good. They're honest-hearted. God will give them a witness and allow them to come to this truth. I believe that. But remember, Paul said it. If it's hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Acts 2.38 is beautiful, it is simple, and it is essential. In the passionate, moving conversation that Jesus had with Peter on the seashore, he gave him a simple command, adamantly, impressively, repeated three times, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Reversion, I've heard you say that last time. It was feed my lambs. We have a responsibility. God, give us preachers, not playboys. God, give us preachers, not entertainers. (laughs) What a responsibility. How are the sheep of this pasture going to be fed by preachers that are too busy feeding their own carnal desires? How are the sheep going to be fed Preachers are spending all of their time with one another. Talking about things that they should not talk about. All of their time on the golf course or the racquetball court. All of their time running around on vacations. There's some sheep that are waiting to be fed. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Give us preachers not ball players one of my best friends told me at this conference that just the other day during a long weekend some of the men from his church missed service on the long weekend to go play ball on another church's team. We don't need church ball teams. We need church prayer teams. We need church witness teams. But it's not long if you let the God of carnal desire and worldly sports, if you let it into your church, it will take over. And people will miss church and you'll see who the real God is, and you'll see where their desires are, and you'll see where their priorities are. The church is for one reason. And God said that is to be a light in the world. We are called out a chosen and a separate nation and a priesthood. A peculiar people to show forth. His praises, His light, His glory. Oh, if all of the time that we wasted could be spent in heavenly intercession. All of the time that was wasted on so-called church activities could really be invested in the kingdom of God. I believe a great move of God would result. We need preachers. God give us preachers. Preachers of righteousness. Preachers of holiness. Preachers of uncompromising truth. God give us preachers with hearts of love. Backbones of steel. Foreheads like flint. Fires shut up in their bones. Scrolls from the altar of heaven on their lips and knees that will bow to God alone. Men who will preach the word without fear or favor. God give us preachers who refuse the temptation to appease the liberal or to appeal to the conservative. Preachers who have no ambition to create a name or reputation for self. Preachers who don't care whether or not they're invited to preach next year's cap meeting or conference. God, give us preachers that will preach the word of God. Oh, God. And endeavor to please God Almighty. Yes, yes. And if necessary, yes, yes. Him alone. United Pentecostal Church. I am the youngest member of the General Board. As I preach this message tonight, I feel like I need to be the oldest. I hope that you will feel my heartbeat. <laughs> preaching the Word of God brings life even to a dead congregation Brother Williams let's preach a little bit from Ezekiel the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Preachers, we need the hand of God upon us. And we need God to move us to places and areas and situations that we should not be afraid to face. We don't want to go to the valley, especially the valley of dry bones. Lord, anything but that. Let the choir sing. Raise Lazarus. Do something. Do anything. But that that we all fear the most is the valley of dry bones. But sometimes if we're going to have the hand of God upon us and go where God wants us to go, it will be the valley of dry bones. Read on. And cause me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very they were very dry this congregation is not very dry and the congregation that has been at this conference has not been very dry this has been the most responsive congregation of any conference that I've ever been to the power of God has been here in every service and God will bless you for that because when people respond to the preaching of the Word of God they get more of it inside that's right Read on. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? Preacher! Can your church live? Evangelist! Can the next revival live? Hallelujah. Yes. And I answered, O Lord God, Thou knowest. Lord, You know. You know. (laughs) You know. Praise God. Are some of you dreading going back and facing your churches? Have you been pumped so full of the Holy Ghost and you left a situation at home that you know you're going to have to face when you get back and you're dreading it? Lord, you know. And he can take care of it. Yes, he can. Move on. Again, he said unto me, "Prophesy upon these bones." What did he say? "Prophesy upon these bones." Prophesy. Yes. It's not time to have a puppet show. It's time to preach. Woo. Hallelujah! There's one thing that'll raise a dead church. You can try all the programs. You can try all the promotions. Great. Oh. Yeah, I think it worked. Hallelujah. Yeah, it worked. Brother know the I've tried your whole binder, and I've tried the. This Bible study and that Bible study, and and I like them all, as long as they don't compromise the message. Right. I'm for all of them that stick with the truth right. and the foundation and the doctrine. Right. And they're all good. And I found a little bit of good in in church growth and a little bit of good in, in this and a little bit of good in that. And a little bit of bad in this and a little bit of bad in that, or at least something that didn't work for me. But I found one thing that always works. When your church is dead, when you're going through a trial, when it doesn't seem like there's anything else that'll work, it's not always the choir that's going to do it. You cannot always count on them. It's not always the music director that's going to pull it through. It's not always the program or the binder or the Bible study. But I'm telling you, preacher, if you'll get the Word of God and you'll come out of a prayer closet with the Holy Anointed and preach the Word. hallelujah. He said, son of man, prophesy 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 and say unto them and say oh ye old dribbles oh ye old travels hear the word of the Lord hear the word Woo. of the Lord hallelujah Woo. Right, God. Woo. Right, God. Woo. Right, God. hear the word of the Lord word of the Lord. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. You may be seated. There's not quite as many people here tonight as there were last night, but there's a few more than was at my Wednesday night service, I'm sure. Quite a few, Brother Ocean. But I'm feeling more at home. Whoop. There's something about preaching that can even make the preacher come alive. Yes. <laughs> yeah, son of man, prophesy under these dry bones. Thus saith the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God, under these bones, mm-hmm. behold, yeah, I will cause breath to enter into you. I'm gonna cause breath to enter into you, and he shall live. You know, breath comes from that root word pneuma That's the same word that Spirit comes from. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place, in one mind, in one accord. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord and God's going to cause breath to come in you and i will lay sinews upon you yes and will bring up flesh upon you yes and will cover you with skin yes badger skin and put yes Hallelujah. and put breath in you yeah and you shall live and you're going to live when god breathes the breath of life into you yes All glory and god's going to take that skeleton That bag of bones that the world has used, and despised, and abused, and God's going to put it all together, and He's going to put flesh on it, and He's going to give you sinews, or muscles, or strength. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. And ye shall live. And you're going to live. (laughs) Oh hallelujah and you shall know that i am the lord and you're gonna live and know who is the lord jesus said i've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly yes. but how are they gonna have it if we don't preach it all right, all right. Oh God. yes sir so I prophesied as I was commanded. So I just did, like I was told. Preach and, the word, preach that, the word, Yes. preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and with all long, something in doctrine. So I just prophesied, Brother Williams, Woo. as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, oh, something happened. As I began to preach, there was a noise. Ooh, there was a noise. Woo in that old dead congregation that hadn't said amen in three months something Ooh. happened as i began to preach there was a noise my 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 oh, my yeah. there was a noise and behold a shaking and there was a shaking <laughs> A shaking my 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 when you preach the Word of God there's gonna be a shaking Yes. the sinners ought to shake for fear yes. and the Saints ought to shake for joy <laughs> hallelujah there was a noise and the bones came together and there was a shaking and the bones came together unity yeah unity yes you want to know how to really have unity if ever a preacher in the united pentecostal church would preach the word of god like it's written we would have unity like you've never seen i love it The bones came together! Yes! God knows how to put your church together! Friend, if God doesn't build you a church, you won't have a church! Right. And if you don't preach the word of God, God's not gonna build you one! That's right. You might get a group, you might get a gathering, you might have a number, but you won't have a church. You may be seated. And when I beheld... When I looked... Lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above. Yes, sir. But there was no breath in them. But there was no breath. Then said he unto me... And he said... Prophesy unto the wind. Keep preaching! Yes. Keep on preaching! Don't stop preaching! Right. Hallelujah! Preach to the wind! Yeah. Prophesy, son of man. Yes, sir. And say to the wind, oh wind," thus saith the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, from the four winds, and breathe upon these slain. Come and breathe on these, that they may live. Yes, Holy Spirit of God, send a revival in my church. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, Whoa. breathe on me. Oh, ministry Breathe on church. Woo! Hallelujah. Yes, We got to preach and we got to keep preaching. And sometimes we get in the prayer closet and we do a little preaching in the prayer closet. Any of you preachers know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm, there's something about getting your message in the prayer. You be in the preaching the Holy Ghost. God gives you the authority to preach to the wind yeah. oh he said in one place concerning the words of my mouth yeah. command ye me mm. preach to the spirit preach to God Lord come and fill my church Lord I can't Woo! have it without you yeah. Lord we've got to have the Holy Ghost and fire right yes sir brother Williams so I prophesied as he commanded me so I prophesied and the breath came into them. And the breath came into them. And they lived. And they lived. And stood upon their feet. And they got up on their feet. An exceeding great army. An exceeding great army. Praise God. Preaching works. Yes. Just plain old preaching the word. It works. It works. It works. Now, I don't want to let you down, but I want to take you to an opposite story. I want to take you from here to the very midst of famine. A place that was in such severe famine that people were paying tremendous sums of money for donkey's heads and dove's dung from 2nd Kings chapter 6 I'd like you to read and it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad king of Syria gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria and there was a great famine in Samaria and behold they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of doves dung for five pieces of silver And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, O king! I want you to understand, these folks were in a famine. They were in the city of Samaria, surrounded by their walls, without anything to eat. They were starving. The devil would like to put all of us on the defensive. He would like to back us behind the walls of our own cities. He would like to put the pressure on us through the media. He would like to put the pressure on us from compromisers from within our own ranks and he wants us to go on the defensive and if we allow him to do that there's going to be a famine of the words of God yeah. there's going to be a lack of hearing preaching of the word yeah. we cannot we must not allow that to happen right to us and the king passed by on the wall and the woman said, Help, O Lord, the king. And he said, If the Lord, if the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? All right. Out of the barn floor, out of the wine press. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? What's wrong with thee? As though he didn't know. And All shut up. His whole army's inside. Least they could do is go out and fight. But instead, they were like some defensive preachers of today. Inside the wall! Throwing rocks over the wall! Hoping perchance to hit somebody on the outside. Unfortunately, some preaching's like that. Preachers don't really take aim. They don't really know what they're shooting at. They're just throwing rocks over the wall, hoping it'll hit somebody, but not make them too mad. The king knew what was wrong, but he said, what aileth thee? This woman said unto me, Give me thy son. And oh, we hear this sad story. The woman begins to say, This woman said unto me, Give me thy son. That we may eat him today. And we will eat him today. And we'll eat my son tomorrow. And we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. Oh, my God. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we made him. And I said, Now it's your turn. Give your son and we'll boil him and eat him. And she had hid her son. But she hid her son. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed by upon the wall And the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. Then he said, God, do so, and more also unto me, if the head of Elisha the son of Shaphat shall stand on him this day. They're in a big problem, and they're blaming the preacher. They're blaming the preacher. But can you imagine... The horror of this story. A woman boiled her son. And she wasn't complaining to the king that she had to boil her own son and eat him. She was complaining that she didn't get to eat the other woman's son. It is indeed a sign of famine. when people are willing to kill and eat their own children in order to satisfy their own hunger. And it is a sign of famine and lack of preaching the Word of God somewhere. When people are willing to sacrifice their own children to the spirits of Hollywood in order, in order, to satisfy their own carnal desires for Hollywood films and videos, something's wrong. Somebody is not being fed, someone is not hearing the Word of God, if they can bring videos and films of Hollywood right into their living rooms, somebody needs to stand up and preach the Word. Pastor, preach it, preach it, preach it. I wonder how many people watched television in their hotel rooms during this conference who would not have done so a few years ago because their resistance has been broken down by video in their homes, uncontrolled Given convictions and a heartfelt convictions brethren cannot come through legislation and resolutions it's got to come through preaching the word right. we must that's preach the word of God, oh, God. Right. we cannot legislate Hollywood out of the living rooms but we can preach it out yeah. I said, we can preach it out! Yes, we can! I am well aware of the article that we have in our manual. I am well aware of the resolution we passed. I voted against it, but I have no trouble abiding by it. It says that we... We allow the use of video for things that were traditionally allowed regular home movies and educational and religious and inspirational use. The problem with that, brethren, is that some people think John Wayne is inspirational. I concede, as most of you can concede that it's not sinful to take home movies of your children and your grandchildren, but we have made it so available. And so accessible that you or your children can go to the 7-Eleven for $1.99 and get the latest Hollywood movie. and did not end with the sad, sad story of the woman eating her own flesh and blood. And I hope and trust that the United Pentecostal Church will not self-destruct on carnal appetite. Right, right. That's good. That's good. That's why I'm preaching. That's- beginning with verse 7 then Elisha said but the man of God said hear ye the word of the Lord hear ye the word of the Lord it's time to preach when we're in famine we need to hear a word from the Lord and I hope brother Johnson that I'm not off course and I hope that I'm not too late hear ye the word of the Lord Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. God, give us preachers that are not afraid to say, Thus saith the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Thus saith the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, Revival. Shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel. Yes, sir and two measures of barley for a shekel there's going to be plenty to eat in the gate of Samaria there's going to be food if people will preach the word if preachers will preach the word there will not be famine we will not self-destruct we will have no need of a carnal appetite if we can be full of meat Mm -hmm. Oh the good milk of the word of God and strong meat. You say, Well, my preacher or my church doesn't like hard preaching. If you'd stop filling them up with popcorn, give them a chance to get good and hungry, and try preaching the word of God, they love it. <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it. Wow, my ma. You put all the candy canes and the suckers and the popcorn down in front of your, ch- your babies and your children and see what they eat. If they eat their spinach and steak, or if they eat their candy canes and popcorn and suckers, why, well, they're going to go for the suckers every time. Try not giving them a drama. Try preaching the word. Just preach the word. Try it. They'll like it. And so will you. And he said, There's gonna be plenty to eat in the gates of Samaria tomorrow. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned. Oh, but somebody! An official in the kingdom... Answered the man of God and He answered and said... Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? The Lord could make windows in heaven. This thing might be. Doubt. Yeah. Revival? Conquest? (laughs) Huh. If God could make windows in heaven... Well, honey, get your umbrella out because God can make windows in heaven. you are already there. Hallelujah. Already there. Yes, sir. And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof." The man of God said, You're going to see it, but you're not going to taste it. You go ahead and mock. I am always aware of the passage in Malachi that said the priests said the table of the Lord is contemptible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Lord's meat. It wasn't the people. It was the priest. I am convinced our saints want to hear truth. Our saints want to hear righteousness. Our saints want to hear holiness. But we have some priests among us who say That old-fashioned preaching is contemptible we have some priests among us that say we need to get away brethren from the term Pentecost we have some preachers among us that think we need to modernize and streamline a little bit and change the doctrines and standards that we have stood on for years Read on. And there were four leprous men at the gate, at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? There were four lepers, just lepers. I wonder if anyone is still willing to be a leper for the kingdom's sake. I wonder if we're too modern If we're too affluent. You know, the only church in the New Testament that I find had trouble with affluency was a place called Laodicea. Mm -hmm. But we had some old-time Holy Ghost preachers that gave birth to this organization that were not afraid to be considered outcast for the sake of truth. Right, right. Paul said I could wish that myself were accursed for my brethren's sake are we willing to preach the Word of God and be considered an outcast or a leper in order that someone else can have food there were four lepers at the gate and they said why do we sit here until we die hey we might as well do something. Why don't we just preach the word? I, if we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And we, if we sit still here we die also we go in there we're going to die and if we stay here we're going to die now therefore come and let us fall into the host of Syrians so let's just fall into the host of the Syrians if they save us alive we shall live and and listen this is really profound if they save us alive we shall live and if they kill us we shall but die (laughs) and if they kill us we shall die That is one of the profoundest statements in the Word of God. If they kill us, we shall but die. Well, I'm just preaching the Word. Brethren, if you kill me, I'll just die. Yes, sir. Read on, Brother Williams. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. So they rose up and went. And when they were come unto the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said unto one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went in unto one tent and did eat... Dear fellas, food. Yeah. Food. Uh, food and they ate while everybody else was starving to death Yeah, they ate they found something to eat they were just outcasts they were just lepers but they found food yeah. and what else and they did eat and drink and they ate and they drank, and they carried that silver and gold, Woo, silver and gold. Come and on, now put some in your pockets, but don't put any on your hands, and don't put any around your necks, and don't don't put any on your body. But come on, come on. <laughs> they and they got that silver and gold, and what they do with it? And they went and hid it. Well, come on, let's hide this so nobody can find it. We've got to hide it now. We don't want anybody to find it. All right. And came again. And then and they went to another place. And entered into another tent. And they got another tent. And had this also. And they did that same thing and there. And went and hid it. And they went and hid it. Come on, guys, we got to go hide this now. Here, sweep it under the carpet. We don't anybody know we preach like this around here. Come on. Woo. My. yes sir then said one to another hey wait a minute fellas come here we do not well you know i'm full <sighs> but we're not doing well what are we hiding this stuff for? ain't nobody out here that's going to find it this is a day of good tidings we're not doing well this is a day of good tidings we've got some good news you know what this holiness message is good news. Good news. Good news. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. This is truth. Hallelujah. You don't have to be ashamed of truth. My, we got glad tidings. Hallelujah. We're not doing well. Hallelujah. We're preaching around at our little meetings and nobody else hears us preaching. And as long as we're on our own church, we we think we're safe. But if we get a we get a call to go to some camp meeting or conference or conviction, well, we just don't feel like we we got the liberty to preach that. But hey, we got good news. We don't need to worry about this. This is truth. Yes, this is real. Right. We need to go tell them. If we carry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. If we wait. If we don't share this until the Lord comes, until the day dawns, we're not going to be doing well. Some mischief is going to come on us. Now come, God's therefore. God's going to judge us and say, why didn't you preach it? Yes, sir. Now come, therefore. Come on. That we may go and tell the king's household. Well, let's go tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city. Hey, Porter. And they told him, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians. Oh, we found some food. And behold, there was no man there, neither Dang. voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied and tents that were. <laughs> and he called unto the porters and told it to the king's house within. And the porter. Called to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and, the and said unto his servants, And the king said, I will now show you what the Syrians have done unto us. Oh, ha, ha, ha. I'll show you what's happening here. They know that we be hungry. They know we're hungry. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, say. And so they've gone out. You know, this is called siege mentality. they're just waiting on us they're going to get us the media is going to pounce on us the politicians are going to pounce on us who cares (laughs) they pounced on Jesus too didn't they and they ganged up on him But there was a siege mentality. You may be seated. Thank you, brethren lepers. (laughs) And the king said, They have hid themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, We shall catch them alive and get into the city. They're waiting on us, and they're going to get us. And one of his servants answered and said Let some take I pray thee Five of the horses that remain Which are left in this. But city. one of the servants said Oh king We're so hungry We gotta try it We gotta try it Yeah Let's take these old lepers words And try something And let's take the horses Some of the horses that are left Behold they are as all the multitude of Israel That are left in it Behold I say there even as all the multitude of Israel that are consumed let us send and see and they took therefore two chariot horses and the king sent after the host of the Syrians saying go and see hey we're trying everything else in the encyclopedia why don't we try going back to the good old fashioned preaching of the word of God why don't we just try it and see I dare you United Pentecostal Church I dare you, preacher, evangelist, pastor. let's just try and see if the old-fashioned gospel preaching still does the job. I think we'll find the world with the same sin that they've always had and the same message that has always changed them will still do the job yes and you thought we were reserved in canada (laughs) that's right i'm an american canadian brother Urshan. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Cooling. <laughs> I'm telling you, was born and raised in California, went to Texas, got a good wife and a license with the UPC, went to Canada, been there for twelve years and I love it. They're beautiful people. Don't think that they're cold and reserved. They love to love God and live for God and run and shout and That's pray. That's right. And live for Amen. the Lord. Amen. And That's as far right. as I'm concerned, I can go to heaven from Calgary. That's right. I want to tell you something else. Let me just throw it in. By and large, Canada is conservative. Not only in its very national identity, but in the identity of the people of God and in their dress and style and fashions. They are conservative conservative right that's right now I can say that because I think all the fashion show people have gone home haven't they (laughs) you better let me hurry (laughs) yes and they went after them under Jordan And lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels. So they tried it? Yes, sir. Which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. Oh, hallelujah. And the messenger returned and told the king. If we start preaching the word of God like we need to preach the word of God, the devil will run away so fast, he'll leave all kinds of things for us to pick up. Hallelujah. The problem is we better not pick up the wrong things. <laughs> and the people went out and spoiled the tents of Assyrian. And the people went out. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel.: Yes, sir. And two measures of barley for a shekel, yes, according sir. to the word of the Lord. That's right. They had plenty of food. And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. And you know, that old king was so happy with the whole thing, he decided to let that uh, official ruler of the kingdom have the position in the gate. And the people trod upon him in And as the he gate, stood there saying, Tickets, please! <laughs> the people trampled him. And he died. And he died. As the man of God had said, just like the man of God said. Amen. When people are hungry, you don't mess with their hunger. There is a genuine hunger and desire in our hearts and our homes and our churches for a genuine move of God that can only come from a preaching of the Word of God. But there is a caution to anybody in this story who would try in some ungodly way to control a move of God and a revival. It cannot be controlled. You must let God have his way. Revival can only come from God, and if it does come from God, and you're in the way blocking it or blocking people's access to it, you're in trouble! Now as never before, the standards of the United Pentecostal Church need to be raised. We do not need to be submissive to the siege mentality of the enemy. We do not need to be placed behind the walls in a defensive position and feeling like we can't preach truth. Many years ago in Kinston, North Carolina, two passenger cars of an excursion train plunged into an open Drew Bridge into the Elizabeth River. Eighteen passengers were killed. At the inquiry, the signal man said that he had stood out there and waved with the red banner, signaling the train to stop, and he had witnesses that backed him up. But the engineer contended it was a white flag that was waved, signaling the all clear When the flag was produced. it was found to have been a faded red flag that might easily have been mistaken for a white flag. I am disturbed at preachers around who say they are still holding high the standard. But it's faded. I am disturbed when preachers waving their flags believing it to be a standard I think some of them are in total honesty and sincerity but we need to pay attention to the people that are rushing headlong into hell to those who are going into worldliness examine your standard preacher is it still what it used to be? Let our standard be clear and not faded. In the days of Samuel, when he was a little boy, Eli was the high priest, and his two boys, Eli, uh, pardon me, Hophni and Phineas, the sons, were in the in the ministry. First Samuel 3.1 says, "In those days, the word of God was precious." The interpretation means rare it was rare in those days the lack of bread the lack of preaching the word leads to a ministry that will not exercise restraint over their own children I for one have always appreciated the refreshing clean-cut look of separation that has been a visual trademark of the United Pentecostal Church for so long. I am not willing to lose it. And the only way we can prevent it is to preach the word. If our young people are allowed to conform to the world in their dress, in their fashions, in their hairstyles, and in their music, they will next conform to the world in their drugs in their promiscuity, in their fornication and their homosexuality. If we do not preach against makeup and cut hair wild hair, immodest clothing and jewelry our singers and our musicians will look like some of those whose music we sell in our bookstore a spirit of showmanship and immodesty is indicative of a lack of preaching the word. Some preacher is failing in his responsibility to God. Am I the only one who's disturbed by perms and dyed hair? Am I the only one who is disturbed by the jewelry and mustaches that were on this platform during this conference? We have traditionally stood opposed to such things. Brother Price, I agree with you sir, you are my elder, I'm not an old man, I'm a young man. You can say he's out from under a rock if you want to, you can say he's an old fogey if you want to. I guess you'll classify me as a radical and a fanatic, but I agree, our young people don't need to be going out alone, unsupervised, they're going to get themselves That's in right. trouble. That's right. Do you parents and pastors understand what your young people are doing? Do you care? Our young people, be they fourth generation Pentecostals or fifth generation Pentecostals or sixth generation Pentecostals, are not exempt. From the standards that we preach. That's right. If we begin lowering, lowering the standard for each successive generation, God help us. I believe they're good young people, I believe in uplifting them. I believe in encouraging them. I believe in inspiring them. I believe in strengthening them. But they're still flesh. I am very aware I am very aware at this moment of my own glaring imperfections. I do not feel that That I am anything other than a sinner saved by grace. There is a revival in the word of God it comes through the word there is no shortcut there is no shortcut there is no shortcut if we don't preach the word we will lose what God has given us I am aware of my weakness But at this moment, I am also aware of God's strength. There is a foundation, a solidity, a stability in the Word of God. I am alarmed at some who exercise Pentecostal situational ethics. Pants are wrong. Unless you're going skiing or horseback riding or working in the garden. Situational ethics. It's all right to watch Walt Disney in the confines of your own living room. Pentecostal situational ethics. Adultery is forbidden in the ministry unless we give them one chance. Let me say this. Let me say this, please. And I wish you could see my heart as you hear my words. I am not willing to see this organization that I was born into both times become a gazing stock and a mockery of the world. In the past few months, that the media attention has been focused to the glaring sins of the Swaggerts and the Bakers. It has been a strength to me and it has been a strength to the church that I pastor to be able to stand behind the pulpit and say in the United Pentecostal Church such things could not happen and a man ever again preach in our pulpits this is not a threat I just really don't know if I could continue to stay in the United Pentecostal Church if we allowed men to remain in the ministry after they had fallen into immorality. appreciate this organization. I don't love it because the organization is a machine. I don't love the machine, but I love the men. I love the people. I love the souls. I love you, brethren. I love you. I respect you. I respect my elders. But no organization is worth staying in at any cost. There are some things that need to be deep down in your heart. Would I be considered a rebel? For refusing to sell my birthright? Am I against authority because I will not follow elders who have left the old path? Am I unsubmissive if I will not yield to the voice of a majority on issues that go against my convictions? I recognize that basically this is a crowd of preachers tonight. I'm preaching to you, for you. We must not, we must not blindly follow any man or group of men. We must not, we dare not have a blind loyalty for any organization. In my heart, I really believe the majority like it strong. The grassroots like it straight and true. If I am wrong, please let me know. I don't want to invest my life in something that will eventually destroy what I helped to build or deny what I believe. I say, preacher. It's time to preach. It's time to preach like we've never preached before. It's time to preach without fear or favor. It's time to forget about the siege mentality and preach what God says, preach. Some preachers are attempting to satisfy a genuine hunger with something that is not really satisfying. Do you really want a miracle? Or are you simply interested in sensationalism? Jesus performed the ultimate of physical miracles in Luke 8.56 when he raised one from the dead and then told them to tell no man. wonder how many of you would do that. Do we really want a miracle or do we want some experience that we can strut and boast about on the stage and show everybody how spiritual we are? Just preach the word! We've got to share every extraordinary experience in order to prove how spiritual we are. When Paul simply said, I knew a man... You really want a miracle, realize that before there is a miracle, there must be number one, a need. There was never a miracle performed unless there was a need. Number two, God needs the glory. Perhaps God would do many more mighty things if we would stop stealing the thunder. So God used you. So what? He also speak through a donkey. And a penny should be a good conductor of electricity. But pennies are common. If you really needed one, you could probably find one in a gutter. God has chosen the foolish things, the weak, the insignificant, the lowly, and despised that no flesh should glory in His presence. It's time to preach the Word, the whole Gospel to the whole world. This is our motto, this is our saying, this is our phrase. Dear God, help us to not be guilty of trying to reach the whole world with half the gospel. I appeal to our foreign missionaries. Preach the word. The whole word. The whole truth. That's more than just Acts 2.38. That's preaching against long hair on men. The customs of a foreign country do not contradict the word of God. The word of God take precedence. I appeal to our home missionaries. Preach the word. Remember, Noah was a preacher of righteousness, home missionary. He was a preacher of righteousness, and in a hundred years, he didn't win anybody but his family. But he did save his family because he was a preacher of righteousness. I doubt if Noah would have made it on the home missions film strip. He wasn't a winner. preach the word. Young preachers, preach the word. Don't be intimidated by your friends who want to take the root of a playboy. Don't be intimidated by your friends and as they let down their standards, you let down yours. Preach the word. Thank God. God, we have some young preachers that are preaching the word. I appeal to my elders, the old ministers of this organization, preach the word. Lead us in paths of righteousness. Don't forsake the ancient landmarks that our fathers have set. I appeal to the general board preach the word to our military chaplains preach the word to every evangelist preach the word to every pastor if your church is ever going to be saved if it will ever be what God wants it to be preach the word Preach the word. Preach the word. Now I want to reason with you? In closing. Familiar passage of Scripture. First Timothy chapter 2, verses eight, through 12. I address the ministers of this organization, those who have been so kind as to hear me tonight. Paul said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, So much of the dress and the hairstyles that I see at our conferences and conventions are not modest. Much of the problem are the trendsetters of Pentecost, the preachers' wives and daughters. And the preachers' sons. pastor, dad. let's get back to a spirit of modesty. Preachers' wives and daughters and sons, men and women, all oh, that we would go back to a spirit of modesty. When we wouldn't try to fix ourselves up to be a little bit bigger, or a little bit better, a little bit wilder than the next one. Whatever happened to modesty? Holiness. Purity. I understand, and it hurts me. I understand that holiness message has been hurt. By some men who said they were holiness, and really weren't, because it starts inside. It starts in a spirit. It starts with loving your brother. But I beg you, I plead with you, don't let that turn you off. It's still true. God wants modesty cleanliness purity and to be modest is the opposite of being wild and and extravagant and like men are also women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness oh God and sobriety not with broided hair or gold, or pearls, or costly array should not be. Examine yourself in the light of the mirror of God's word. There is no doubt, there is no doubt, there is much too much jewelry. I have seen pearls and diamonds and gold. United Pentecostal Church Unless we stick to the word we will always Have trouble with the world sneaking in If you open the door a crack The world will force it open the rest of the way Let me shock you with these questions from a sincere young man for the sake of modesty and scriptural purity does your wedding ring mean so much to you that you're unwilling to lay it aside for the purity and consistency of our message if that is the case then I am afraid all other forms of jewelry are eventually inevitable in our ranks. The reason I've heard this preached before, Brother Kilgore, I've heard you preach it, the reason we need to lay aside our wearing of gold and diamonds and pearls is not in order to give more to the missionaries, but because the Word of God is explicit that the child of God should not be adorned with such things as long as we tolerate gold and pearls and diamonds on the fingers, we have no authority or justification for preaching against it on the ears or the wrist or the neck. That's just from me to you. We need to stick to the Scripture. If we make allowances, the world will come in. The world will take advantage. Our people are hungry. They want to hear the Word of God. It is time like never before to preach the word.